Letter ten of Silence Do Good Letters. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Silence Do Good Number Ten by Benjamin Franklin. Posted on August thirteenth, seventeen twenty two. Optime societus hominum servabitur. Cicero. To the author of the New England Courant. Sir. Discoursing lately with an intimate friend of mine of the lamentable condition of widows, he put into my hands a book, wherein the ingenious author proposes, I think, a certain method for their relief. I have often thought of some such project for their benefit myself, and intended to communicate my thoughts to the public, but to prefer my own proposals to what follows would be rather an argument of vanity in me than good will to the many hundreds of my fellow sufferers now in new england we have says he abundance of women who have been bred well and lived well ruined in a few years and perhaps left young with a houseful of children and nothing to support them which falls generally upon the wives of the inferior clergy or of shopkeepers and artificers they marry wives with perhaps three hundred pounds to a thousand pounds portion and can settle no jointure upon them either they are extravagant and idle and waste it or trade decays or losses or a thousand contingencies happen to bring a tradesman to poverty and he breaks the poor young woman it may be has three or four children and is driven to a thousand shifts while he lies in the mint or the friars under the dilemma of a statute of bankrupt but if he dies then she is absolutely undone unless she has friends to go to suppose an office to be erected to be called an office of insurance for widows upon the following conditions two thousand women or their husbands for them enter their names into a register to be kept for that purpose with the names age and trade of their husbands with the place of their abode paying at the time of their entering five shillings down with one shilling fourpence per quarter which is to the setting up and support of an office with clerks and all proper officers for the same for there is no maintaining such without charge they receive every one of them a certificate sealed by the secretary of the office and signed by the governors for the articles hereafter mentioned if any one of the women becomes a widow at any time after six months from the date of her subscription upon due notice given and claim made at the office in form as shall be directed she shall receive within six months after such claim made the sum of five hundred pounds in money without any deductions saving some small fees to the officers which the trustees must settle that they may be known in consideration of this every woman so subscribing obliges herself to pay as often as any member of the society becomes a widow the due proportion or share allotted to her to pay towards the five hundred pounds for the said widow provided her share does not exceed the sum of five shillings no seamen or soldiers wives to be accepted into such a proposal as this on the account before mentioned because the contingencies of their lives are not equal to others unless they will admit this general exception supposing they do not die out of the kingdom it might also be an exception that if the widow that claimed had really bona fide left her by her husband to her own use clear of all debts and legacies two thousand pounds 
she should have no claim the intent being to aid the poor not add to the rich but there lies a great many objections against such an article as one it may tempt some to forswear themselves two people will order their wills so as to defraud the exception one exception must be made that is either very unequal matches as when a woman of nineteen marries an old man of seventy or women who have infirm husbands i mean known and publicly so to remedy which two things are to be done one the office must have moving officers without doors who shall inform themselves of such matters and if any such circumstances appear the office should have fourteen days time to return their money and declare their subscriptions void two no woman whose husband had any visible distemper should claim under a year after her subscription one grand objection against this proposal is how you will oblige people to pay either their subscription or their quarterage to this i answer by no compulsion though that might be performed too but altogether voluntary only with this argument to move it that if they do not continue their payments they lose the benefit of their past contributions i know it lies as a fair objection against such a project as this that the number of claims are so uncertain that nobody knows what they engage in when they subscribe for so many may die annually out of two thousand as may perhaps make my payment twenty or twenty-five pounds per annum and if a woman happen to pay that for twenty years though she receives the five hundred pounds at last she is a great loser but if she dies before her husband she has lessened his estate considerably and brought a great loss upon him first i say to this that i would have such a proposal as this be so fair and easy that if any person who had subscribed found the payments too high and the claims fall too often it should be at their liberty at any time upon notice given to be released and stand obliged no longer and if so valenti non fit injuria every one knows best what their own circumstances will bear in the next place because death is a contingency no man can directly calculate and all that subscribe must take the hazard yet that a prejudice against this notion may not be built on wrong grounds let's examine a little the probable hazard and see how many shall die annually out of two thousand subscribers accounting by the common proportion of burials to the number of the living sir william petty in his political arithmetic by a very ingenious calculation brings the account of burial in london to be one in forty annually and proves it by all the proper rules of proportion computation and i'll take my scheme from thence if then one in forty of all the people in england should die that supposes fifty to die every year out of our two thousand subscribers and for a woman to contribute five shillings to every one would certainly be to agree to pay twelve pounds ten shillings per annum upon her husband's life to receive five hundred pounds when he died and lose it if she died first and yet this would not be a hazard beyond reason too great for the gain but i shall offer some reasons to prove this to be impossible in our case first sir william petty allows the city of london to contain about a million of people and our yearly bill of mortality never yet amounted to twenty-five thousand in the most sickly years we have had plague years excepted 
sometimes but to twenty thousand, which is but one in fifty. Now it is to be considered here that children and ancient people make up, one time with another, at least one-third of our bills of mortality, and our assurances lies upon none but the middling age of the people, which is the only age wherein life is anything steady, and if that be allowed, there cannot die by his computation above one in eighty of such people every year, but because I would be sure to leave room for casualty, I'll allow one in fifty shall die out of our number subscribed. Secondly, it must be allowed, that our payments falling due only on the death of husbands, this one in fifty must not be reckoned upon the two thousand, for tis to be supposed at least as many women shall die as men, and then there is nothing to pay. So that one in fifty upon one thousand is the most that I can suppose shall claim the contribution in a year, which is twenty claims a year at five shillings each, and is five pounds per annum. And if a woman pays this for twenty year, and claims at last, she is gainer enough, and no extraordinary loser if she never claims at all. And I verily believe any office might undertake to demand at all adventures not above six pounds per annum, and secure the subscriber five hundred pounds in case she come to claim as a widow. I would leave this to the consideration of all who are concerned for their own or their neighbor's temporal happiness and I am humbly of opinion that the country is ripe for many such friendly societies, whereby every man might help another without any disservice to himself. We have many charitable gentlemen who yearly give liberally to the poor, and where can they better bestow their charity than on those who become so by providence, and for aught they know on themselves? But above all, the clergy have most need of coming into some such project as this. They, as well as poor men, according to the proverb, generally abound in children, and how many clergymen in the country are forced to labor in their fields to keep themselves in a condition above want? How, then, shall they be able to leave anything to their forsaken, dejected, and almost forgotten wives and children? For my own part, I have nothing left to live on but contentment and a few cows, and though I cannot expect to be relieved by this project, yet it would be no small satisfaction to me to see it put in practice for the benefit of others. I am, sir, etc., silence do good. The New England Courant, August thirteenth, 1722 End of Letter 10